Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. All right, so today we're talking with David Craig, uh, one of the leading trial lawyers in Indiana. His office is in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing fantastic. So tell us a little bit about uh, your practice, uh, Dave. First of all, you, when did you start practicing law? Um, I started practicing in 1985. And when, when you um, you started the practice in 1985, were, were did you go right into representing people who were injured, or how did you do that? Yeah, you know, I always represented I, – I, when I first began, I was a general practice litigation firm. Uh, always did litigation, uh, but I did different types of litigation. And uh, But personal injury was always part of it. Uh, it was probably the part um, that just – right off the bat, I knew I enjoyed the most. And so that's kind of stayed with me. It was always a big part of my practice. As my firm got more successful, uh, I found that we were, you know, running up into conflicts about other companies that my firm represented. And we just got to the point where, you know, I just rather represent the people than the companies and uh, really found it far more satisfying. And so at some point just decided, you know what, I'm just going to do nothing but represent average everyday people. Uh, and injury claims and wrongful death claims. So that's been about 35 years of the practice of law, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me um, about your upbringing a little bit. Where where did you grow up? I was born in Richmond, Indiana, um, and uh, uh, actually grew grew up in Plainfield, Indiana, uh, which is about 45 minutes uh, west of Indianapolis. Went to high school out there, met my wife there, uh, and still have family out there in Hendricks County. So uh, it sounds like kind of a, a Hoosier's experience. Is that, uh, am I right <laughs> about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, Henry's County is a small community. Um, and uh, it was, when I grew up there, there was a lot of farming. Now Indianapolis has kind of grown out into uh, that area, that suburb. So how many kids were in your high school? Gosh, I don't even remember. I don't remember, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so, so when you uh, were growing up, uh, were your folks farmers too? No. So, so my family, um, my dad was the first one to go to college. Um, and he was a psychologist and he worked for the state of Indiana, um, at the Indiana boys school. And he was the chief psychologist over there. My mom uh, never finished, uh, even finished high school. She, um, had me, uh, got pregnant for me and they had me when she was 18. And so, um, my mom worked, uh, supporting my dad. My dad eventually had his own clinic and my mom ran his clinic. Um, so my, but my family, his family, they were, they were farmers or factory workers, a lot of laborers uh, in my family. And um, like I said, my dad was one of the first ones to actually uh, go through college. Wow. And then, um, so w- when you got out of high school, um, well, let's, let's go back there. I, I like to ask people what some of their first jobs were. I, it's, uh, I've had everything from uh, cleaning um, uh, 
gas station bathrooms as a business as a 17 year old. One of my, one of my buddies did that at a, and he lived in his car. That was a, that was a heck of a one. What do you got? You know, um, I grew up, I did, I worked construction, uh, roofed houses. Um, I did help build houses, uh, did a lot of uh, grass cutting. I had my own business where I went around and cut people's grass, um, and business, motel grass, uh, home, uh, uh, developers, uh, model homes, grass, and, and then worked retail when I was uh, like my senior year, I think, in high school. So you started um, your own business, uh, grass cutting business? Yeah, I had my own grass cutting business. And, and How old were you? Oh, gosh, I was probably in eighth grade, maybe, uh, eighth, somewhere around eighth grade. Wow. And then did, did, was it just employee of one or did you get a couple of your buddies do it with you? Uh, just me. Uh, and uh, I continued to grow. Eventually got, like I said, hotels, uh, some model homes, and uh, actually had quite a business towards the end. I, and I did that from probably eighth grade all the way through high school. Who was your driver back then in eighth grade? My dad would drop me off. A lot of the places when I first started, they were our neighborhood. You know, so any place in my neighborhood, uh, neighborhood, I would cut grass. And then as I got my license, then I went out and started broadening out and adding the hotels, the model homes, and places like that. So I, what I'm finding a common strand uh, of folks that own their own law firms is basically they're entrepreneurs. They, you know, they, they, um, they, they love uh, the fact that in America that anybody can start their own business and can, if they work hard enough, have a good idea, hire good people, that they can succeed. And I'm, I'm, I'm finding out, I mean, one of my first jobs, David, was uh, I, I was a paper, paper delivery person, which basically I was an independent contractor for the, the Yakima Herald Republic, which was a 50,000 uh, town, you know, people town. And they drop off 150 papers in eighth grade. And I get on my bike uh, after I folded them all. And 365, I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning and do all those things. But the number one thing that was very interesting was the collection. Hmm. I had to go door to door to every one of them. There was yeah. none of this electronic billing stuff and collect. And I learned how about money, about and, and about, about people that were, you know, most of them were really good people, paid their bills and uh, said generous. Other ones would stick their dogs on me when they saw me coming or when I wasn't there. And then, you, you know, I just you'd find out about the human condition, but, you know, I think people having jobs as, as kids, they learn that kind of stuff. Was that kind of your experience? Yeah. I mean, I grew up, my whole family, my great grandmother um, owned a small grocery store in Richmond, Indiana. And so as a kid, I used to hang out at the grocery store and it was fascinating. It was in the poorer section of Richmond. And so it was, my grandma uh, would sell groceries on credit, which probably wasn't a great idea. Uh, her business didn't last beyond her. Uh, but it was fascinating. It was a lot of hard work. You know, you, you grew up seeing your family work seven days a week. And I never knew there was anything different than that. Um, and so my grandmother ran a grocery store. My dad, by the time I was in high school, he had his own clinic, his own office. And so he was running, uh, providing psychological services for folks. And so I saw him do that. Now, he still kept his full-time job, but he did that. But at the same time, that entrepreneurship was always in my blood. And, uh, and, I, and hard work. I mean, the lessons I learned from my family was extraordinarily, you had to work hard for everything you had. And, so, uh, and so I, then uh, when, you, when you went to, uh, did, when you graduated from high school, um, where, where'd, you, where'd you end up going to college and law school? Yeah, so my family, we, we weren't very affluent. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money. So I knew I'd have to work while I went to school. So I went to IUPUI, and that way I could work full-time while I went to school. I graduated in the four years. 
but I worked in the mail room. I worked in a mail room at uh, what well, was it was back then it was Merchants Bank, but it's one of the banks uh, here in, in the town. And I would work nights, work night shift, and go to school during the day. Wow! And so again, you know, entrepreneurship. You know, you you had to pay your own way, and and you figure out how to, the bills to be paid and all that. Do, do you still use those lessons in in your practice today? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I mean, there's nothing that that's uh, better than hard work. Um, I I work six days a week in my office. Uh, Sundays I, I take off, but uh, you know, but even Sundays I'll, I'll return telephone calls if I need to. If somebody's really needs it. Um, but I and I don't work less than uh, 10, 12 hour day. Um, but I love it. You know, you I just absolutely love it. Uh, it's not work if you love doing what you're doing. And that was just the work ethic that was that I was drilled into me. And anything was possible as long as you believed in it. You were you did the right things. Uh, you were a good person. And then you worked hard. Right, right. And so, you know, one of the things that I've, that I've picked up from entrepreneurs uh, that I interview is the, the, definitely the work ethic. I mean, the buck stops, you know, at, uh, you know, Craig, uh, Craig uh, Kelly and Faultless with uh, you at the, you're the number one guy uh, that's there. I know you have partners and everything, but you as the owner and, and starter of this business, I mean, if somebody's got a problem, it ends up in your doorstep. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I think that to be a to be a good leader, you need to lead by example. Uh, I I you know I wouldn't want to I wouldn't expect anybody to follow me if I wasn't here working. You know, if there was anybody in this company that could outwork me, I'd like to see who it is. You know, <laughs> because because it's not there's not going to be. And so as a result, when you say something, people listen to you because you're not. I'm not sitting in a in a resort, you know, calling in and, and asking for how's my how's our cases doing. I'm in here working the cases. I'm trying the cases. I still go to trial on a regular basis. So I mean, I love I love the work. I love the uh, I love the leadership. I love the entrepreneur. I love the firm. That's great. And so t- tell us a little bit about your firm. How many folks work there, and what kind of uh, what what kind of uh, finger you know footprint have you put in Indianapolis? Yeah, so our firm, uh, our main office is in Indianapolis on the east side in what used to be Fort Benjamin Harrison. And uh, we have a total of uh, nine attorneys, another one that shares space with us, so a total of 10. Um, and we have around 35 to 40 employees. And uh, I have a couple satellite offices. One of my offices is down in Batesville, which is closer to Cincinnati. One of my partners and one of my employees works out of there. But the rest of us work out of the Indianapolis office, or we did. Now we're all working, they're, they're all working remotely. Uh, but uh, prior to that, they worked out of my Indianapolis office. And, and so tell me what, what um, first of all, you know, when somebody gets hit by a semi or, or their family member does, it's a really bad situation. Some, you know, the, num- the number one fundamental question is why should they hire a lawyer? Yeah, well, <clears throat> unfortunately, when, when someone gets hit by a semi, um, usually the results are catastrophic. Um, and what people don't realize is the semi driver often calls dispatch before they call 911. I mean, I've been hired in cases that before uh, the, the, the family members have been removed from the vehicles, the claims people for the trucking company are at the site. The trucking company starts off right off the bat minimizing their exposure. And people don't realize that. People don't think that their family, while they're at the, the scene of the wreck, that the trucking company and the insurance company are there. 
already starting their investigation. And I've seen a lot of harm done by that. Uh, like so what? People, well, I've seen, I've seen witnesses' uh, stories change. I've seen truck drivers be coached by attorneys or claims people. Uh, I've seen, I mean, I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen news spins. I've seen on a really catastrophic event where there's uh, a horrible thing that the, the news star, starts off neutral. And then by the, you know, by, by lunchtime, by afternoon, a few hours later, you see the news starting to be spin towards like it's the, the victim's fault. And that's just because so these sophisticated claims folks and trucking folks have people who are good at spinning the news, spinning the stories, talking to the witnesses, getting them, spinning the, the, the witness version. Um, and so, and I've had, you know, like I said, I've had evidence disappear as well. So, so it's, a, it's critical that in these cases that the victim's family gets somebody that's representing them and protecting their interests right away. So let's, let's talk about, about I-65, Indianapolis. I mean, I, listen, I've driven down I-65, you know, I don't know how many times. I mean, you've, you've driven down it thousands of times. It's a dangerous place, man. I mean, there, I've never seen so many trucks in one place. Um, they should hire a lawyer. That That isn't a question. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I, I represent people on these things and I have the same experiences you have. Why should they hire David Craig in, in Indy? That's that's what that's the thing that that people have to understand. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've been I've been handling truck cases for over 30 years. So I have the experience. Uh, we have the resources to fight the trucking companies. Not all law firms do. Uh, we have the skill. We have the experience. Uh, both Scott Follows, my partner, and I are both board certified in truck accident law. Uh, there's only a handful of lawyers in the whole country that are board certified. That means we took the extra step to prove our qualifications and be vetted uh, by the the, uh, the board. And so, uh, and then we've tried these cases. There's a lot of lawyers out there who've never tried a truck case or never tried any case. So when I think when people are looking saying, well, how do I pick a lawyer? You need to pick somebody who's been in the trenches, who's fought trucking companies, who has experience, knows who to hire, and knows how to try the case if they have to. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, attorneys don't understand the all how technical these cases can be. I mean, you know, um, I, I did a little research um, on your website, which is fantastic, by the way. And I, I was looking at it, and there's so much good stuff in there about uh, what happens right after a crash. I mean, the modules, for example. You need to capture the modules. You need to capture the electronic book. You need to capture all of these things and make sure they're all preserved uh, so that you can adequately represent the family. And, and you know, um, a lot of folks have no idea that this information even exists. And unless you're somebody that has sort of some sort of background like that, you're not on equal footing. Yeah. I, I speak to lawyers all over the country uh, about how to handle these cases. And I'm always surprised at how many lawyers don't know uh, that, you know, what's involved in preserving the evidence of a tractor trailer wreck. Um, and there's a lot involved. And you have to understand that the trucking company often is working against you. I mean, I handled a case out by Kansas where the truck was three states away within 24 hours, you know, and they had it repaired before we could ever get a restraint, before I got hired and could get a restraining order. I mean, so if, if you hire the right lawyer, the lawyer knows, okay, I've got to freeze this stuff. I got to get a restraining order out. I got to preserve the evidence. I got to stop the truck, stop the trucking company from altering or changing it. Uh, you have to have your experts download the ECMs, electronic control modules. You need a mechanic to tear these trucks apart and look at them and make sure they're working properly. 
And all that has to be done really quickly. And it has to, and it, but if your lawyer doesn't even know to do it, how in the world are they going to, how can you be protected? Yeah. So um, let's talk about the, your experience as a trial lawyer. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, I run into to trial lawyers and, and I'm lucky enough to, to know a guy like you who's actually tried uh, trucking cases and, and tried a bunch of other cases. And you're not afraid to get into that courtroom and, and handle any type of case. But what goes into making a great trial lawyer? Um, you know, I, I, I look back and, and, and I'm often asked that and I, I look back and I think, you know, first of all, it's kind of fascinating. Even before, when I was in high school, I was reading about trial lawyers. Uh, I was reading their books and I, and I don't, I didn't even know then that that's exactly what I would be, but I was fascinated by it, you know? And, um, and then as you, so you, I think a lot of it is you, you learn, you, you study and you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You figure out what are the great trial lawyers doing and what have they done? And, to, and then be willing to continue to learn. Then when you have a certain base of knowledge, then you can use that knowledge uh, as you need it. Um, and then I think the next step is you gotta have the knowledge, but the next thing is uh, you, have to have, you have to be prepared. I mean, you have to look at every case as if you're gonna try it. Um, if you take a case in, a significant case, you gotta say, okay, from the very beginning, what am I gonna do? How do I try this case? And we start working a case from the day it walks in or it comes in our office and we start preparing it for trial. And I think, you know, I, you could have a lot of skill. You could be a great orator. You could get up and talk and, and be emotional. But if you don't prepare, you are not going to consistently win. The hardest thing about being a successful trial lawyer is the amount of preparation it takes in each and every single case. Yeah, you know, I, 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 tell, I tell our folks here, facts win cases. And I repeat it over and over again. Facts win cases. And, and you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that when when we get that first call uh, from somebody, uh, the 99% of the facts aren't in. And it's up to, for us to go find them and to find those witnesses, to find that evidence, to find uh, that, that, that law that's out there. And you know, one of the things that you really brought up was that you know, assume that you're gonna be trying every case that comes in the door, because you only accept the cases, I'm sure, Dave, that, that you can actually come through for the people. Isn't that right? Well, you know, I, I, I should. <laughs> that would be a good rule. Uh, my office probably would wish that I would only take the ones that I know for sure I could help. But sometimes you know as well as I do, there, there are sometimes some cases are catastrophic and you just feel like you should help these people. And sure. you're, willing to take a, you're willing to take a chance. Um, and, you know, I feel like anybody can win the easy cases. Yeah. It takes real skill set to win the hard cases. Yeah. And I actually love the hard, and I tell my young lawyers is that take the worst case you can take, the trial, because people expect you to lose. And if you win it, you build a reputation. If you lose it, they, they realize you're crazy enough that you'll take any case to trial and they'll <laughs> respect you for it, you know? And so I, I you know, when I started my career, I, I was trying horrible cases, but I was winning them. I was fortunate enough to win them. Mm -hmm. And even the ones you lost, you, you earned the respect because you treated people right and you, and you gave them a heck of a battle. And so I, I look at it, most of the cases I'm, I'm lucky now, um, the cases that I work on could, could all be really uh, straightforward and big and large cases. But I, I learned to try cases, trying any type of case that I could get my hands on. And yeah, I have a lot of young lawyers, my daughter, my son, there are lawyers in my office and they've got to learn. You don't get, a, you don't get to try cases off the big humongous semi cases. Yes. You got to have the little case. You got to have the tough cases or you don't ever get into the courtroom. 
Right. And I want my lawyers and every one of my lawyers needs to be a trial lawyer. Everyone. I like it. I like it. And then, so why don't, why don't you um, tell us some defining moments uh, in your professional career um, that, that kind of, you know, you, you, you started your practice, you know, 35 years ago, you're, 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 you're established now as a, as a fellow that could take a file and, and try it. But what was that time that you, that you, you just said, Hey, listen, I belong. I, for example, I, I, I'm watching this, uh, 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 documentary now about Michael Jordan and the, and the bulls, um, that just hit the hit last night. And, uh, Jordan was, uh, is being interviewed and he talks about one of his defining moments. And it came when, um, when he just became a pro and in the third, I think it was the third week of the season, the team's down by 10 and they were all used to losing because the bulls were losers before Jordan got there. And he sparked the team and, and they gave him the ball and they ended up winning by 10 because he just took over the game. And he said, listen, I know I can do this now. When was that moment for you where you felt like, Hey, I've got the God given talent to be able to help people who need me. Early on in my career, it was probably over 30 years ago, um, I happened to get a truck case. Uh, it was a dump truck. And the truck, uh, the trucking company was claiming a sudden emergency uh, mechanical problem. And, um, and I was brand new. I'd never handled a truck case. I'd handled very few litigation cases. Um, I had not tried one, tried one yet. Um, so it was probably, I guess, 33, 34 years ago. And... Um, and I had experienced lawyers against me. And so I read everything I could read about how to handle a truck case. I read everything that I could read on how to try a case. I went out and met every witness. I went to the scene. I did, I worked that case harder than you could have imagined. The, the lawyers who hired me kept saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I can remember old lawyers taking me up into the big skyscraper in, in downtown Indianapolis and putting their arm around me saying I needed to settle, you know, and they, and they would tell me that, you know, you're young and you're going to have a lot of opportunities. And, but this one, Dave has got some problems and they, and, you know, and I, I remember looking at one of the attorneys and saying, you know, I, I appreciate your advice. I respect you as an individual, but I bet you learn what you learn and what you know by making mistakes. And I'm going to be making a mistake then because I'm going to try this case. <laughs> I can just remember the look on his face and I just remember walking out of that room thinking you know what I'm gonna try this damn case <laughs> and I just remember that you know and I wasn't afraid I wasn't it was just a feeling that by God I'm going to take I mean these guys and I knew that by beating them not only would I be helping my client but I was going to establish who the heck I was right now the funny thing about that case is the first day of trial is you're walking up and we're talking the jury, I'm getting ready to pick the jury. And defense lawyer stands up and says, Your Honor, may I approach? And we walk over and they finally decide to give me the exact number I had asked for right before we trial. So I didn't get to try the case because they gave me the exact number right at, but they had to see that I was willing to do it. And I learned right then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I mean, they paid me the exact number we wanted, but I had to actually get in the courtroom and start picking a jury. And that's when they paid me. Yeah. Yeah. So that day you learn preparation, hard work. And I knew at that point I could do it. So what about in your personal life? 
David, what's, what's some defining moments in your personal life that, that, you know, um, I, I, I can't, when I interview people, you know, I, I think that they want to know whether they can trust you. And, you know, um, I've known you for a long time. I, and, you know, I, I basically am like, Hey, listen, if I got a case in Indianapolis, I'm calling up David because I, I know he'll take care of me. And I know that, that he would care about me and my family. Tell, tell me about some things in your personal life that, that, that gave you that type of, I don't know, ability where people would say, gosh, I trust this guy. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, growing up in a family that weren't lawyers, I mean, they were just good, honest people, hardworking people. And, you know, I, I was taught, um, you know, I, I was taught by my dad that every person's important. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, every person is important and to look at for the good in people. And my mom taught me that, you know, things are, are not as important as people. People are more important than what you have. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife uh, when I was 16 and she was 15. Um, and, uh, and this business is a tough business. And we got married after my first year. We dated in high school. Went to three proms together. Uh, she was a year behind me. Uh, she was a heck of a lot smarter than I was. Uh, she, we both went to IUPUI at college and she graduated a year behind me graduated top of her class. And, you know, we got married after my first year of law school. So I've been together with my wife um, since I was 16 years old and she was 15. Um, and I can't, I don't know how many people in this day and age who make that commitment. And I haven't changed much. I mean, her and I are both the same people. We raised our kids the way we would want to be, you know, the way we were raised. And, uh, um, you know, I think I'm, if, you know, if you checked with people that knew me in high school or knew me in college, they would say, you know, Dave's just the same as he always has been. Uh, I'm no better or worse than anybody else, but I care about people. And my word is my word. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to go back on my word. I'm, and I'm proud of my law firm because we don't cut corners. We don't take advantage of people. And I, I, I tell my clients, if you want somebody who's going to not pay a healthcare provider or not pay a lien or you've got the wrong guy, you know, I'm going to negotiate things for you. But I'm honest, we're going to do the right thing and, and for the right reason. And I'm yeah. really proud of that reputation. You know, I, I, when I did some research for this interview, David, I, I, I looked and for um, the Google reviews and I looked at who had the most and your firm has hundreds of Google reviews. And that's what I tell people. I said, listen, take, don't, you know, don't listen to me, listen to what people are saying about, you know, the, the lawyer's firm. And I looked at those reviews and over and over again, they, you, you have a track record, you have a track record of success of, of actually sitting down with people. And even if you couldn't help them, you told them straight. And then the people that you had great successes for it, it, they said, listen, I would recommend this, you know, this law firm and, and, and this group, this great team in Indianapolis, and so um, I tell people to take a look at the reviews. So, I mean, you guys uh, have worked hard and you're getting the accolades, which is a kind of a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and I think, I mean, the, the key is to treat people the way you'd want to be treated. And, and that's, you know, it seems easy, uh, but there's so many lawyers out there who don't treat people the way they want to be treated. Um, and sometimes I get a case because I mean, I've actually had a case where, you know, somebody called and says a semi-rec and then I would narrow it down to three people. And we know that you're all good because we've checked your reviews, we've checked you out, and we, we, we know you're good. You know, you know how to handle truck cases. And I said, they go, why should I pick you? 
And I said, well, because I would be grateful to have you as a client. Mm. Now, when you call the other two, Lord three, I don't even care who they are. Would you call me back and let me know if you feel like they would be grateful to have you as a client? I like it. Case. I because like it. I am tr honestly grateful to have every case I have. I'm grateful that people trust me with their lives and their, and their livelihoods. So tell me about uh, a lot, a lot of folks that listen to, to these interviews of lawyers don't understand what it's like to actually talk with a jury, pick a jury. Tell me what that's like for you. Um, I mean, there's, there's absolutely no greater feeling, I, I, no greater experience than being in front of a jury. Um, I know my daughter, she applied for law school. She, her application, my wife said, did you read her application? I said, no. So you got to read it. And I read it and it said, I want that same feeling that my dad has when I've seen him, people hugging him with tears in their eyes. You know, and I've had, I've been hugged and thanked, and I'm sure you have as well, uh, before the verdict even comes back, because we tell their story. We told their story. For years, they've been fighting, and no one's got to tell their story in public. And we get to get up there and do that. And I talk to juries. I'm not, I'm not the sharpest guy in the world. Don't claim to be. I'm just an ordinary guy that works hard, and I love people, and I love my clients. And I think jurors understand that, and they see it. And so I talk to jurors just like I talk to anybody else in my family, my friends, you know, and you just tell the people's story. Yeah, one of the, I think one of the key things in, in, in speaking with a jury is to tell them straight. Tell mm -hmm. them the good parts about your case. Tell them the parts that are not so great, so weak, and, and, and be the one that levels with them. Don't be the one that hides information from them and, and let them know, hey, listen, my client's human. Nobody's perfect, and you know they've they've got you know some issues here or there, and and you'll be you're going to be the first one. I'm telling you first because before anybody else tells you, hey, listen, this is what the whole big picture is. I think that's a, that's a that's the good move to make. And I also think it's important not to waste their time. When I see a lot of lawyers who put a lot of information in there, and it's all true, it's all relevant, but it's not persuasive, and and it's overkill. And I don't I think you need to respect people's time. And I think you need to put on a, a trial that's persuasive, that moves quick, that uh, is interesting and honest. So before we uh, end this interview, David, which thanks so much for agreeing to do this. This is, this is great. I, I always like to hear from great trial lawyers, but what, who are some of your role models that you've had in your life growing up? I know you talked about your dad and and how he gave you that belief system in your mom too, and your grandparents. And are there any other folks that, that you see and your wife, obviously, you know, I mean, your wife is your, you know, for me, I've, I've been married almost 30 years and, you know, my wife's a lawyer and uh, my number one meeting every single day is sitting down having coffee with my wife because we, we talk about, you know, number one, our most important investment, which is our kids. And, um, but uh, then we get, we get to the business and talk about our clients and talk about where we're going to go. What, is, what are some of the role models for you that, that you, that you have in your life? Well, my father was the, was by far the strongest and the, and the one that had the most impact on me. Uh, he was a great person. Uh, you know, again, as a psychologist for uh, the Indiana boys school. So he worked with prisoners and, but my dad saw nothing but good in people, even the people he worked with. And I thought, my gosh, this guy did this or did that. 
He's like, Dave, you know, in kindergarten, he probably was just like you, you know? And so somewhere along the way, things didn't pan out for him. And so my dad was really, I really learned to, to be positive and to look in the, for the good in people. I had a couple of aunts and uncles that uh, taught me to be respectful, um, who I think was very important as a child. I can remember, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you. And those were lessons that to me were, they carried throughout, throughout my life. I, I tried to be courteous and polite, uh, even when I got attorneys who aren't being as, as polite. Um, and then as attorneys, I think, you know, Thurgood Marshall is by far the one I look to the most. Uh, I, have his, I have a picture of him hanging in my office. I and Clarence Darrow, those are the two, uh, if you come in my office, those are the two pictures you'll see. Uh, both uh, have a lot of meaning to me for different reasons, but, but, but I don't see how, you know, I, I, when I think I'm having a bad day and I'm working hard, and I go back and pick up one of the biographies of Thurgood Marshall, and I think, my gosh, I can't imagine doing what he did at the time he did it in the areas of the state he did it in or areas of the country. And I think my life's pretty easy. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, Dave, where, where do you see yourself over the next five years? Where, where you, where's your firm going? What's, what's your goals the next five years? Tell me where uh, your firm is going. Oh, well, I mean, uh, uh, Craig Killing Follows has and will continue uh, to represent victims of semi and uh, commercial motor vehicle cases. So I see that not changing anything. Um, and I see us growing. Um, I see, uh, I mean, I'm thrilled with the attorneys I have. I'm very proud. I mean, the, the run law firms, you kind of have to have an ego. Uh, but the reality is I take so much pride in my young lawyers and I'm so excited. And I want them to be better lawyers than I am. Sure. So I'm excited about that. And I see in five to 10 years, I see them developing skill sets that are better than mine. I send them to national trial colleges and national play because I want them to be the best. And so I, I in the next five to 10 years, I, I continue to see them develop. Um, and, uh, and more of my younger attorneys becoming partners. And uh, I see us just continuing to grow from within. That's great. Well, hey, listen, I want to thank you so much for spending the time to speak with me. I really, uh, you know, I, I enjoy uh, speaking with lawyers, especially law firm owners who really laid on the line and, and, and especially during this, you know, this, this COVID break we've had, you know, you've kept your, your firm together, they're all working remotely and you, you, everybody's keeping busy and you're thinking about the next move, which I think is the right way to do it, keep those team members together. And so I, I you know, applaud you for, for doing that too, buddy. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, take care. Bye, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.